The president has been warned, David, by some of his lawyers that if he goes ahead and pardons himself, he could be more vulnerable to civil lawsuits, including from some of those injured in the Capitol riot, because a self-pardon would be seen as an admission that he did something wrong that he would need to be pardoned for. The president is angry. He has not taken that well. And I am told that he is now saying that he doesn't want to see pardons for anybody. So the attitude seems to be, if I can't get a pardon, then nobody else should get one either. <laughs> yep. Sounds like my president. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. Uh, where am I? Uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. That's how quick the news is coming in right now. Uh, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, and yes, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. As I said, news is breaking everywhere. Um, and we are here to fix it. We are. <laughs> Good luck to us. Uh, hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Hey, well, you know, when I have to laud Liz Cheney for doing the right thing, uh, she just came out to say that she will vote in favor of the new impeachment article against Donald Trump. Well, you know the world has turned upside down. <laughs> Indeed. As if it is not upside down enough. Uh, and take this for what it's worth, because this just came in from Fox News. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, furious with President Trump, supports impeachment proceedings. It is the last full week of Donald Trump's presidency. How are you enjoying it so far? Of course, that uh, presumes that he will make the full week. All signs, however, at this hour anyway, suggest that he will. Nonetheless, Trump will remain president of the United States for no more, no more than another eight days until Inauguration Day next Wednesday, January 20th. No matter what it is, your crazy uncle is emailing you. 
Uh, on that day, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be sworn into office. What happens between now and then, however, still remains anybody's guess right now. So, yes, welcome to the broadcast. The uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Pentagon body comprising the military's top generals, felt it necessary to uh, issue a memo to the entire U.S. military on Tuesday condemning the Capitol riot, reminding service members of their obligation to support and defend the Constitution and reject extremism and confirming Joe Biden will become the next commander in chief of the armed forces on January 20. So it's not just me hoping to assure you at this point uh, that Joe Biden will become the president. Apparently the situation has become so bad and so ridiculous that the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon felt they needed to make this clear this afternoon. For the first time in U.S. history, I believe. In the memo, the top Pentagon brass characterized the violent riot as, quote, a direct assault on the U.S. Congress, the Capitol building and our constitutional process. And they said the military remained fully committed to protecting and defending the Constitution, quote, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We witnessed actions inside the Capitol building that were consist that were inconsistent with the rule of law. They wrote in the statement, the rights of freedom of speech and assembly do not give anyone the right to resort to violence, sedition and insurrection. They said statement is being seen as a significant step because the chiefs have sought to stay out of anything that may have political overtones. But given what has happened, according to CNN's report of this, the chiefs felt it was important to make a statement due to the gravity of events now surrounding the inauguration. As service members, they said, we must embody the values of the the values and ideals of the nation. We support and defend the Constitution. Any act to disrupt the constitutional process is not only against our traditions, values and oath. It is against the law, the statement read. In addition, the statement referenced the certification of the election by uh, the Congress last week and said, yes, quote, President-elect Biden will be inaugurated and will become our 46th commander-in-chief. Of course, it's extraordinary that the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon would even need to make such a statement, but if you haven't noticed... Uh, turns out these are extraordinary times. Uh, something that the Lincoln Project's Steve Schmidt, the former campaign chair for John McCain's 2012 presidential run, tried to warn us all about way back, way, way back on January 3. That would be before the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6. In a tweet thread that I've, I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I want to share with you because uh, because I've been thinking about it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've had it here for with me for the last uh, several days. Keep trying to get to it and just haven't found the place for it. But today is the day. Steve Schmidt wrote again on January 3, before what we saw on January 6, he wrote, the die is cast for the Republican Party. It will be destroyed on January 6th, in much the same way the Whig Party was destroyed by the passage of the Kansas-Nebraska Act in 1854. 
The act unraveled the Missouri Compromise and allowed for the westward expansion of slavery. The party could not survive its factionalism. There could be no more accommodation, compromise, and partnership between pro-slavery and anti-slavery Whigs. A new political party was born, the Republican Party. That party, writes Steve Schmidt, will divide into irreconcilable factions on January 6th. The 6th will commence a political civil war inside the GOP. The autocratic side will roll over the pro-democracy remnant of the GOP like the Wehrmacht did the Belgian army in 1940. The 2022 GOP primary season will be a bloodletting. The 6th will be a loyalty test, he wrote. The purge will follow. Does anybody doubt the outcome of the Ivanka Trump versus Marco Rubio primary in Florida? That's a good question. He says, it turns out JFK was right. The problem of trying to ride the tiger is the likelihood of winding up inside the tiger. The poisonous fruit from four years of collaboration and complicity with Trump's insanity, illiberalism and incompetence are ready for harvest. It will kill the GOP because its pro-democracy faction and autocratic faction can no more exist together than the than could the Whig Party hold together. To, uh, could hold together the abolitionist with the slave master. It won't happen overnight, he says, but the destination is clear. The conservative party in America is dead. It may continue to bear the name Republican, but it will be no such thing. Fascism has indeed come to America, and as was once predicted, it is wrapped in the flag and carrying a cross. This movement must be defeated, says Schmidt, it cannot be appeased, accommodated, or negotiated with. It must be recognized for what it is. And we must all recognize the new age of American politics it has wrought. It has reset the debate entirely. There are only two sides in American politics now, he writes. There is the American side and the autocratic side. May God help us all if we falter, flag, or fail in defense of American democracy. The uh, Fisher splitting down the middle of the Republican Party that uh, Steve Schmidt was uh, predicting there is now starting to bleed over into real-world consequences for the existing Republican Party, party which has long relied inordinately on campaign funding from corporate entities. Of course, the Democrats rely on that money as well, though to a somewhat smaller extent with a somewhat greater, if not great enough, in my opinion, reliance on actual, you know, people, voters for their donations. As Politico is reporting today, the breakup between the business world and the Republican Party is rapidly accelerating in the wake of last week's deadly pro-Trump riot at the Capitol, posing a serious financial threat to the Republican Party, just as it is being stripped of power in Washington. At least 10 major companies so far, including some of the biggest corporate givers in politics, have decided to withhold contributions to Republican lawmakers who objected to the certification of the Electoral College votes. And dozens more are stopping all of their political donations after the riot. All of their political donations? 
I'm happy to see corporate entities, frankly, out of our campaign finance system entirely. But why are Democrats losing their support for what the Republican Party did? By the way, this is always how it works. Recall uh, some years ago, Des, I suspect you'll remember this. uh, There was an effort by activists to target corporate entities that sponsored Rush Limbaugh's show on the radio after oh, yeah. he he had attacked a healthcare advocate. He called her a slut, uh, other vile, sexist attacks on her during the fight. This was, I think, during the fight over Obamacare as she was uh, fighting to ensure coverage for birth control for women. Yeah, for poor women who can't afford it. That boycott of uh, Limbaugh at the time, actually of Limbaugh's corporate sponsors, was successful in that it led to a bunch of companies pulling their sponsorship from him and from other right-wingers, extremist radio, talk radio shows. But at the same time, those companies also, uh, at least a whole bunch of them, also pulled their sponsorship from all talk radio programs, including those very few that are out there from the left, which didn't do anything wrong. That was back in the day when you could still find at least a few commercial radio stations that carried non-right-wing programs. That's hardly the case anymore. But that effort back then against Limbaugh, by and large, ended up killing a, a number of those progressive shows entirely that were hurt by what the right-wingers did and were essentially punished by the, uh, by the corporations despite having done nothing wrong. Uh, and by the way, those uh, programs, those progressive programs, were more reliant on actual advertising than the right-wing extremist programs that are basically propped up by right-wing political cabals. So uh, anyway, back to Politico here. Hallmark, MasterCard, American Express, all of whom doled out most of their political contributions to Republicans during the 2020 cycle, announced on Monday that they were cutting off Republicans who challenged the election results. So, too, has Dow, the chemical company, and Blue Cross Blue Shield, the health insurance giant whose political action committee has favored Republicans in every election since 1996. Really? I thought the health insurance companies were in bed with Democrats and Obamacare. Not so much. Losing corporate PAC support, if the bans last, and we will see if they do, uh, will sting Republicans who have come to rely on such contributions, especially as the Democratic Party builds a big online fundraising advantage for themselves. You know, funding from, yes, actual voters, not companies which cannot vote and thus should be barred from making political contributions at all, in my opinion. But I digress. The uh, They should not... If you can't vote for a candidate, you should not be able to give them money. Period. End of story. And that includes giving money to uh, people who are running in other states. I don't care how much you like them. If you can't vote for them, you shouldn't be able to give them money. You shouldn't be able to give them money at all, frankly. But uh, anyway, as I said, I digress. (laughs) It's a, a momentous decision for these companies to turn off the cash spigot for Republican politicians who have historically been more receptive to their interests than to Democrats. Companies from investing behemoths like 
uh, BlackRock and Goldman Sachs to tech giants. Facebook and Google announced that they would pause all political contributions, infuriating Democrats who say there's no reason why they should be cut off. Although I'm secretly glad that they will be. Maybe they can stop kowtowing to those companies now. Don't tell anyone I said that. Senior Republicans, however, are very worried. An illustration of the alarm uh, was House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and, and man, is he stupid. But I'll get to that later. <laughs> anyway, digress. Kevin, I digress again. Kevin McCarthy and his team have reached out to a vast number of corporations over the last 24 hours. Appear, apparently, they are in a panic about all of this. Sad. Most of the uh, businesses uh, that they have reached out to have apparently assured them that they have no plans to back away from the party. Oh, well, thank God. Press ahead, Republicans. Corporate America will still have your back. No worries. But businesses are under mounting pressure. Good. Last week, the uh, day after Trump's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, once again, it was the Lincoln Project's Steve Schmidt uh, who uh, spoke up and tweeted that the Lincoln Project, quote, will be running a brutal corporate pressure campaign targeting companies, trade associations, CEOs, directors, and senior leadership of organizations that serve as the financiers of the authoritarian movement that attacked the U.S. Capitol. For example, Schmidt writes, donations that are made to GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy, any organization he controls or any committee he controls will draw an action. We will hold these companies and people accountable in the public square, he said, along with a telling CC in his tweet to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the largest right wing corporatist uh, lobbying group in the nation. And coming from Steve Schmidt and coming from Lincoln Project, all I can say is good. Good. I believe them. I actually do, too. I, do, I believe them. They are relentless. They used to be Republican. I think they are. St I don't know. Some of them are still Republicans, uh, but they were anti-Trump Republicans. And they remind us why it is that Republicans win elections and Democrats have such a difficult time because these people, they fight like hell and they fight like dirty. And now they're going to be fighting against Kevin McCarthy and anyone and everyone who gives him money or gives money to any group with whom he is associated. Good. Go get him, Lincoln Project. AT&T, whose PAC donated the most of any single company in the 2019-2020 election cycle, according to the New York Times and Comcast, they announced on Monday that they would suspend donations to the Electoral College challengers. In other, one, in other words, anyone who voted against the... Uh, the certification of those votes last week for Joe Biden. Both companies gave more than 50 percent of their contributions to Republicans during the 2020 elections, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. By the end of Monday, the New York Times reported at least 16 major companies had put out statements disavowing the events of last Wednesday, pledging their uh, to use their corporate giving to uphold their principles. Marriott, Marriott International, Dow, Airbnb, Morgan Stanley were among those that said they would halt donations from their political uh, political action committees to the 147 Republican members of Congress who objected to certifying the results on January 6th. At the same time, 
Facebook, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, and Goldman Sachs said they were pausing PAC donations to both Republican and Democratic candidates for various lengths of time, a tactic that will also penalize those who voted to uphold the election. So, great work, Facebook, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, and Goldman Sachs. That'll show them. Hallmark requested the return of campaign contributions that its PAC made to Senators Josh Hawley of Missouri and Roger Marshall of Kansas, who both voted against certifying the presidential results. The pullback in PAC donations will hurt lawmakers unevenly, apparently. Sam Graves and Blaine Luke Lutkemeyer both Republicans, if I said that wrong, I don't apologize. Both Republicans from Missouri who objected to certifying Biden's election victory. Uh, they were the House members who were second and third most reliant on PAC donations. Their 2020 campaigns were funded by about 80 percent with uh, with PAC donations, according to data from Center for Responsive Politics, 80 percent of their money came from these groups. National Republican Senatorial Committee Chair Rick Scott of Florida, he's drawing attention within uh, Capitol Hill and K Street circles reportedly after he broke with GOP leadership to object to the certification of the Electoral College votes from Pennsylvania. His move has raised concerns among some in the party that it will hamper the NRSC's fundraising just as the 2022 cycle is getting started. Sad. Two House Republican leaders who objected to the, uh, to the results, Kevin McCarthy again and Minority Whip Steve Scalise, they raked in more than $23.5 million in corporate donations over their careers. That spigot may soon be cutting off, at least we hope. Former member, uh, Republican member of Congress said one of the calling cards of Kevin McCarthy's has been his ability to raise a lot of money. And he's now put himself out of bounds for a lot of groups that he had access to. So while some of that may also, as I noted, be bad news for Democrats, it's really bad news for Republicans today. But that bad news did not stop there with the news of the GOP's top funder dropping dead entirely on Tuesday. Sheldon Adelson, the billionaire mogul, Republican mega donor and power broker who built a casino empire spanning from Vegas to China and became a singular force in domestic and international politics, has died at 86 after a long illness and complications related to treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the casino magnate became a Republican kingmaker late in his life by repeatedly donating tens of millions of dollars to the GOP through assorted super PACs. In 2012, Adelson became the largest individual donor in American electoral history, injecting more than $90 million dollars into the presidential race in a failed effort to prevent Barack Obama from winning a second term. Ninety million dollars. Most of that went to uh, to uh, uh, Mitt Romney and uh, uh, Newt Gingrich. Oh, God. 
I guess they remember that time when <laughs> we we thought Newt Gingrich might have become the president. Oh my goodness! Uh, the uh, the son of Jewish immigrants raised in a Boston tenement, he became the, one of the world's richest men and the nation's most influential GOP donor, setting records for individual contributions. In 2012, Politico called him the quote dominant dominant pioneer of the super PAC era. His leverage grew considerably in 2010, of course, after the Supreme Court's Citizens United decision lifted many restrictions on individual campaign contributions. After Trump's 2016 victory, the new president spoke with uh, Adelson often and embraced his hardline views of the Middle East. That paid off. In turn... Uh, Adelson added Trump financially, uh, including $5 million for his inauguration, setting another record at the time. Adelson's wife, Miriam, was subsequently given a Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2018, which, as you know, Trump doles out like candy to his supporters. Remember when those things used to mean something? Adelson contributed more than $100 million to the 2018 off-year elections because, you know, free speech. Uh, Not that it did much good for Republicans, but frankly, while $100 million sounds like a ton of money, it was a drop in the bucket for Adelson, underscoring how obscene our campaign finance laws are now in this country. That's freedom of speech for Adelson. What about my freedom of speech? Am I allowed to give $100 million? Why, yes, I am. Why don't I just go ahead and give it? Because I ain't got it. So apparently, I don't have as much free speech as the now-dead Sheldon Adelson. That money gave him enormous power among Republicans, who, of course, sang his praises upon his death today, clearly hoping that Medal of Freedom winner Miriam keeps doling out that cash to their party During the 2020 campaign cycle, the Adelsons gave $50 million to the Congressional Leadership Fund, the Top House GOP Super PAC, and $70 million to the Senate Senate Leadership Fund. So with his death, we shall see, but I suspect Miriam Adelson just became the most influential person in Republican politics. Will she back the autocratic side of the party or the American side, as Steve Schmidt described it? We shall see. As Republicans, I suspect at this moment, are no doubt falling over themselves to make airline reservations to get to uh, Shelley's funeral to pretend to show their respects for Miriam's late husband. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell said on Tuesday, our nation lost a remarkable American with the passing of my friend Sheldon Adelson. Can I please have some more money, Miriam? (laughs) All right, that part he he didn't. He didn't say that part. He didn't say that part. Uh, House Minority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy said his life made him a fearless advocate for freedom and entrepreneurship and a source of counsel and support to a generation of conservatives including me at from House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who, unlike Mitch McConnell, has not yet learned how he is being played, at least by Donald Trump, for a fool. But let me take a quick break here. We'll come back to talk about that as the future of the nation continues to hang in the balance of all of this. And unfortunately, we've got to count on the Republican Party, at least for some of that, 
Despite their own futures at this point, their future as a party now hanging in the balance. Let's take a quick break and we will talk a bit more about that. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to the listener supported because apparently uh, Sheldon Adelson never listened to this program. Uh, the listener supported and funded broadcast. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. When it makes when I see you cry, it makes me smile. <laughs> yes. You're so nice, Desi Doyen. You that's are Lily Allen, a very famous British pop star. That's fine. You are devious. Anyway, welcome <laughs> back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. This just breaking from Reuters. US civil rights groups will organize an advertising boycott against Google's YouTube if it does not remove Donald Trump's channel. The groups told Reuters uh, one of the organizers of the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, which led over a thousand advertisers to boycott Facebook in July, said the groups are demanding YouTube take down Trump's verified YouTube channel. Uh, it, it, YouTube is the last major tech company that has not banned Trump from posting on its platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Snap have all uh, all blocked Trump after supporters of the president stormed the U.S. Capitol last week, leading to five deaths. Uh, apparently, on Tuesday, Trump's verified YouTube channel posted eight new videos. So uh, he's still getting the word out somehow or another, and that's how he's doing it. Apparently, uh, YouTube did not immediately respond to a, a request for a comment from Reuters. Uh, they've told the groups that they are considering the demands but they have yet to act. So um, we they, shall see if this social media license is going to be revoked by everybody or if YouTube is going to continue to be the social media company that allows these disinformation videos to continue to spread. Senator Mitch McConnell, the soon to no longer be Senate Majority Leader, has told associates apparently that he believes President Trump committed impeachable offenses and that he is pleased that Democrats are moving to impeach him. According to the New York Times, Jonathan Martin and Maggie Haberman late this afternoon, he believes that it will make it easier to purge Donald Trump from the party, according to people familiar with his, uh, with his thinking. The House, of course, is planning to vote on an article of impeachment on Wednesday to formally charge Donald Trump with inciting an insurrection and violence against the country. So uh, Mitch McConnell gets it. 
Uh, even Fox News reported, as I uh, noted at the top of the show, that uh, McConnell is said to be furious against Trump and is not against this impeachment effort. At the same time, super genius Congressman Kevin McCarthy of California, the House Minority Leader and one of Trump's most steadfast allies in Congress, has asked other Republicans whether he should call on Trump to resign in the aftermath of the riot at the Capitol last week. That, according to three Republican officials, briefed on the conversation. McCarthy has said he is personally opposed to impeachment. He and other party leaders, however, have decided uh, to not formally lobby Republicans to vote against the impeachment. An aide to McCarthy said that he was open to a measure censuring Trump for his conduct. Taken together, the stances of Congressman's, uh, I'm sorry, of Congress's two top Republicans neither of whom has said publicly that Trump should resign or be impeached. Taken together, that reflects the politically fraught and fast-moving nature of the crisis that the party is facing in the wake of last week's assault by a pro-Trump mob during a session to formalize President-elect Joe Biden's electoral victory. That the party has created for itself. Correct. But this is that fissure that uh, Steve Schmidt was talking about, was warning about on January 3. Actually, he's been warning about it for much longer than that, but he couldn't have been more crystal clear on January 3 when he said that the die is cast and what occurs on January 6 will forever rend the party into two. We will see if he's right about that. Whether uh, McCarthy actually cares that he was as recently as last night played as a chump by Donald Trump. Whether McCarthy cares about that, that still remains an open question. Fox News reported uh, late last night, headline, Trump acknowledged he bears some blame for Capitol riot in conversation with McCarthy. Now, Fox News was the only one to run that story last night. Uh, and Fox News, it looks, was also played for a fool. The uh, they report they reported last night. Good luck, by the way, trying to find this article on their website today. Hmm. I did find it. It's still there, but it ain't linked to nothing. Uh, it starts. President Trump acknowledged that he bears some blame for the Capitol riot last week during a conversation with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. A source familiar told uh, told Fox News. Two sources say that McCarthy relayed the president's sentiment on a call Monday with House with the House GOP conference. Now, the reward to McCarthy and Fox News for reporting this to the House GOP conference was this today from AP. President Donald Trump is taking no responsibility for his role in fomenting a violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last week. Speaking to reporters before traveling to Texas on Tuesday, Trump said his remarks to supporters last week were, quote, totally appropriate. He reiterated those comments and his uh, blamelessness for inciting an attack on the U.S. Capitol, which killed at least five people, including one police officer, when he arrived in Texas on Tuesday. 
apparently he went to uh, Alamo, Texas, which is different than the actual <laughs> yes. alimony. Uh, Alamo. Alamo. Is that right? Uh, Texas, yes, yes. Texas expert Desi Very Doyen. far apart. The, the Alamo is a building in San Antonio. Alamo is an actual city. Nonetheless, this appears to be his last stand. And <laughs> uh, didn't they all die at the Alamo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he went to Alamo, Texas, where, according to the mayor of Alamo, he pretty much just showed up. The White House did not even let the town know that he was coming. The mayor read about this, apparently, via media. Anyway, he went on to take no responsibility for anything, despite what McCarthy was uh, apparently told by the president. President Donald Trump on Tuesday took no responsibility for his part in fomenting a violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last week. This uh, AP reported later in the day after uh, the president arrived in Texas. That, despite his comments encouraging supporters to march on the Capitol and praising them even while they were still carrying out the assault last Wednesday. Trump said in Texas today, quote, people thought what I said was totally appropriate. That's what people thought. Uh, He made the comments during his first appearance in public since the siege at the Capitol. Trump said the, quote, real problem was not his rhetoric, but the rhetoric that Democrats used to describe Black Lives Matter protests. Well, obviously, that's the problem right there. He uh, said of his own comments, quote, everybody to the T thought it was totally appropriate. Everybody. People are saying it was a perfect, a perfect speech. Like that perfect phone call. Not everybody, apparently. In fact, almost nobody thinks it was totally appropriate. Even people who support Donald Trump. Even people as dumb as Kevin McCarthy. We played a clip of uh, uh, yesterday on the show of Trump's pal, New Jersey's uh, former Republican governor, Chris Christie, uh, saying, do you have it up there? Go ahead, yeah. play it again. You think it was an impeachable offense? Oh, sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm not in there. But you want my opinion. That's my opinion. I I don't I think if if inciting to insurrection isn't, then I don't really know what is. So if inciting to insurrection is not an impeachable offense, he does not know what is. So Governor Chris Christie, who uh, was uh, Donald Trump's coach for the debates this year, uh, says, yeah, yeah, he committed an impeachable offense. Uh, he's, of course, hardly the only one. Here's Maryland's current Republican governor, Larry Hogan, who's thought to be a potential 2024 presidential hopeful on on hopefully on the American side, not the autocratic side uh, of the Republican Party. Here's here's Larry Hogan on Sunday. Governor Hogan, um, the president incited a domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol. Five people have died including Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick. Does President Trump have blood on his hands? There's uh, no question in my mind that he was uh, he was responsible for inciting this uh, this riotous mob. Uh, This was an insurrection. And, uh, you know, they stormed the Capitol and threatened to kill the vice president and put the lives uh, of of people in danger. And and, uh, he had a huge part, uh, a huge role to play in that. And again, what did Trump say? People thought what I said was totally appropriate. Everybody, everybody to the T thought it was totally appropriate. 
Uh, and again, these are Republicans. These are Republicans. These are not uh, Desi Doyen and her uh, lefty <laughs> Black Lives Matter socialist Marxist uh, terrorists or whatever you people are. <laughs> anyway, uh, so these are Republicans. And then there was a, a Republican who knows a bit uh, personally about autocracy and fascism. A Republican whose words over the weekend as posted to his Facebook page and on Twitter, I think, are worth listening to if you have not heard them. California's former Republican governor and, yes, action film star Arnold Schwarzenegger, who grew up in post-World War II Austria, uh, he offered these comments. Now, the music behind this video uh, is, is his, uh, but I think these comments are worth sharing in full today. As an immigrant to this country, I would like to say a few words to my fellow Americans and to our friends around the world about the events of recent days. Now, I grew up in Austria. I'm very aware of Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass. It was a night of rampage against the Jews carried out in 1938 by the Nazi equivalent of the Proud Boys. Wednesday was the Day of Broken Glass right here in the United States. The broken glass was in the windows of the United States Capitol. But the mob did not just shatter the windows of the Capitol. They shattered the ideals we took for granted. They did not just break down the doors of the building that housed the American democracy. They trampled the very principles on which our country was founded. Now, I grew up in the ruins of a country that suffered the loss of its democracy. I was born in 1947, two years after the Second World War. Growing up, I was surrounded by broken men drinking away their guilt over their participation in the most evil regime in history. Not all of them were rabid anti-Semites or Nazis. Many just went along, step by step, down the road. They were the people next door. Now, I've never shared this so publicly because it is a painful memory. But my father would come home drunk once or twice a week, and he would scream and hit us and scare my mother. I did not hold him totally responsible because our neighbor was doing the same thing to his family, and so was the next neighbor over. I heard it with my own ears and saw it with my own eyes. They were in physical pain from the shrapnel in their bodies and in emotional pain from what they saw or did. It all started with lies and lies and lies and intolerance. So being from Europe, I've seen firsthand how things can spin out of control. I know there is a fear in this country and all over the world that something like this could happen right here. Now, I do not believe it is, but I do believe that we must be aware of the dire consequences of selfishness and cynicism. President Trump sought to overturn the results of an election and of a fair election. He sought a coup by misleading people with lies. My father and our neighbors were misled also with lies, and I know where such lies lead. President Trump is a failed leader. He will go down in history as the worst president ever. The good thing is that he soon will be as irrelevant as an old tweet. But what are we to make of those elected officials who have enabled his lies and his treachery? I will remind them of what Teddy Roosevelt said. 
Patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president. Now, John F. Kennedy wrote a book called Profiles in Courage. A number of members of my own party, because of their own spinelessness, would never see their names in such a book, I guarantee you. They are complacent with those who carried the flag of self-righteous insurrection into the capital. But it did not work. Our democracy held firm. Within hours, the Senate and the House of Representatives were doing the people's business and certifying the election of President-elect Biden. What a great display of democracy. Now, I grew up Catholic. I went to church, to Catholic school. I learned the Bible and my catechism and all of this. And from those days, I remember a phrase that is relevant today, a sermon's heart. It means serving something larger than yourself. See, what we need right now from our elected representatives is a public servant's heart. We need public servants that serve something larger than their own power or their own party. We need public servants who will serve higher ideals, the ideals in which this country was founded, the ideals that other countries took up to. Now, over the past few days, friends from all over the world have been calling and calling and calling me, calling me in distraught and worried about us as a nation. One woman was in tears about America, wonderful tears of idealism about what America should be. Those tears should remind us of what America means to the world. Now, I've told everyone who has called that as heartbreaking as all of this is, America will come back from these dark days and shine our lights once again. Now you see this sword? This is the Conan sword. Now here's the thing about swords. The more you temper a sword, the stronger it becomes. The more you pound it with a hammer and then heat it in the fire, and then thrust it into the cold water and then pound it again and plunge it into the fire and into the water. The more often you do that, the stronger it becomes. I'm not telling you all this because I wanted to become an expert sword maker, but our democracy is like the steel of this sword. The more it is tampered, the stronger it becomes. Our democracy has been tampered by wars, injustices and insurrections. I believe, as shaken as we are by the events of recent days, we will come out stronger because we now understand what can be lost. We need reforms, of course, so that this never ever happens again. We need to hold accountable the people that brought us to this unforgivable point. And we need to look past ourselves, our parties and disagreements and put our democracy first. And we need to heal together from the drama of what has just happened. We need to heal, not as Republicans or as Democrats, but as Americans. Now to begin this process, no matter what your political affiliation is, I ask you to join me in saying to President-elect Biden, President-elect Biden, we wish you great success as our president. If you succeed, our nation succeeds. We support you with all our hearts as you seek to bring us together. And to those 
who think they can overturn the United States Constitution know this. You will never win. President-elect Biden, we stand with you today, tomorrow, and forever in defense of our democracy from those who would threaten it. May God bless all of you, and may God bless America. Republican former governor of the great state of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, there with some um, some hopeful words. Some powerful words. Some powerful words, indeed, uh, which sort of brings me back to uh, how we opened the show today. Uh, well, after the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the Pentagon had to come out and decry insurrection and uh, let the nation know that, in fact, Joe Biden will be sworn in as president next week. After that, it was Steve Schmidt who said there are only two sides in American politics now. There is the American side and the autocratic side. May God help us all if we falter, flag or fail in defense of American democracy. The Green News Report is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. So the news never stops breaking anymore. True. Uh, This story, Desi Doyen, I suspect will make it into uh, uh, your upcoming Green News report. We'll see. Uh, AP is reporting that former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, Republican governor of Michigan, uh, his health director and other former state officials have been told they are being charged after a new investigation of the Flint water scandal which devastated the majority black city with lead-contaminated water. It was blamed for a deadly outbreak of Legionnaire's disease back in 2014 and 2015. Two people with knowledge of the planned prosecution who spoke to the AP on condition of anonymity told the AP that the attorney general's office has informed defense lawyers about indictments in Flint and told them to expect initial court appearances soon. So So the angel of accountability is about to visit former officials in Michigan. Good, because they deserve it. They do, don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, So, yeah, some accountability may be coming as we go to air. Uh, No word yet on what that accountability will be in in the form of what the exact charges will be. But I imagine we're going to find out real soon. Oh, you're excited, aren't you? Yes, I am glad to hear that there's accountability coming. Am I right to say this will likely be in your next Green News report? Yes. Then we'll get to... Your latest Green News report until then. Last year was the hottest year globally on record, tying with 2016. And that wasn't the only climate record that was broken. The world just keeps getting warmer. But 2020 also shattered the record for billion-dollar weather disasters in the U.S. 
Plus, fossil fuel industry shutting revolving door on Trump energy staffers. They're too toxic even for the fossil fuel industry. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's very nice down in Georgia. People go back to Georgia all the time. In fact, they're kind of known for it. The devil moved back to Savannah so he could vote for Biden. I mean, he's the Prince of Darkness, but he's very concerned about global warming. Well, that makes sense. This is your Green News Report. If the Earth's already on fire, hell's not going to be that impressive. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know it was one of the hottest years on record yet again, but before we get there, a disturbing story Uh, The MAGA mob finds its way to the most upsetting places. Yes. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Florida is investigating a video that was first reported by the Citrus County Chronicle that shows a manatee with the word Trump scraped into the animal's back. Now, officials say that the manatee appears to be unharmed, that the word was scraped into an algae coating on the animal, not its skin. But since manatees are protected endangered species, harassing them is punishable by prison and steep fines. Good. Hope they catch him. Making manatees great again? Now on to the big news. 2020 tied with 2016 for the hottest year ever recorded globally since record-keeping began in the 1880s. That's according to Copernicus, the European Union's climate monitoring service. NASA and NOAA are expected to release similar results in coming weeks. In another signal of the increasing impact of man-made climate change on the planet, 2020's record heat triggered extreme weather events around the world with alarming heat waves that fueled record deadly wildfires in Australia, Siberia, and the western U.S. And it fueled the historic 2020 Atlantic hurricane season. And remember when parts of the Arctic topped 100 degrees Fahrenheit? Yes. The fact that 2020 tied with 2016 for the hottest year on record is especially remarkable, according to CBS meteorologist Jeff Berardelli. We had a La Nina, which is a cool episode in the Pacific. In 2016, it was a super El Nino, so we would expect a heat record in 2016. We would not expect a heat record in 2020. Mm. Gives you an idea of just how quickly things are warming because of human-caused climate change. Berardelli also notes... The Paris Agreement wants us to stay below 1.5 degrees Celsius. We're, you know, This year, we're at 1.25 Celsius, so we're getting really close. So, in other words, the Paris Agreement is supposed to keep us from rising more than one and a half degrees above industrial times, and we are almost there already. Yes. That's not good. (laughs) No. And climate change disasters are costing the United States a lot right now. In 2020, the U.S. shattered its previous record for extreme weather disasters, costing at least $1 billion in damage each, according to NOAA. The prior record was $16 billion disasters in a year. Last year, we had 22. Wow. The costly damages included widespread wildfires in the West, multiple hurricanes in quick succession, including four in a row for beleaguered Louisiana. 
Louisiana, extreme heat waves, and the destructive Midwest derecho. Altogether, 2020's extreme weather disasters killed 261 people and caused nearly $100 billion in damages in a single year. Wow. NOAA said the new record shows the trend of growing disasters that, since 1980, have cost the United States more than $2 trillion in damages. Good thing we didn't do anything about it. It was too expensive. Globally, 2020's heat record brought storms, fires, and floods that killed more than 8,000 people around the world and caused more than $210 billion in losses. That's according to a new report by global insurance giant Munich Re. In Washington, the Trump Environmental Protection Agency on Monday finalized a rule setting the first-ever greenhouse gas emission standards for aircraft engines. Yes, it is one of the few examples of the Trump administration acting to regulate greenhouse gases. But surprise, the environmental groups say the rule is so weak as to be virtually meaningless because it requires no action from the industry and provides no emissions reductions. Finally, some schadenfreude news. Politico reports that Trump's incitement of last week's deadly siege on the U.S. Capitol by his supporters has reportedly succeeded in tarnishing the resumes of administration energy staffers who had been hoping to use their government experience to win lucrative jobs in the fossil fuel industry. But that revolving door may be slamming shut. One anonymous executive at an oil and gas company told Politico, quote, we're not going to hire any Trump people. We're just not going to do it. The Trump stink is even too smelly for the fossil fuel industry. Well done, Trump. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I could smell it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, The world is uh, falling apart for not just Donald Trump, but anybody who ever supported him, it seems to me. It seems so far. Let's hope that it holds. Let's see if corporations can resist the temptation to sit out the idea of giving millions of dollars to Republican candidates and hiring Trump administration toadies for their lobbying groups. All of this accountability, not a moment too soon, I should add, because we still have years of cleanup from the dumpster fire that this jerk has left be- the dumpster fires that this jerk has left behind that continue to burn and that republicans have helped him set on fire yeah that's right all right thank you very much desi doy and our producer thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's program or any other we have ever done you can download it for free at bradblog.com share it with your friends and your family and yes your enemies you can uh, we also thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate We don't rely on Sheldon Adelson to stay on the air. We rely on you. Although if Miriam Adelson is listening today, we could use your help. (laughs) Otherwise, bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.